everybody. Welcome back to another exhilarating episode of Wilco the Podcast. This is Season 2, Episode 7. This is Matt Morgan, and I'm joined by Lance Hill, my co-conspirator in this little experiment. Lance, how you doing over there in Denver, Colorado? Morgan, good to be with you, man. I am I'm doing great. I don't know about you, but for season two, I just get really excited about these episodes in a way that um, maybe more so than than what we were doing with season one. Yeah. Well, hey, Lance, we've got yet again a new piece of Wilco-related content to discuss before we get into our proper themed discussion tonight. We do. And yeah, that would be Jeff Tweedy's brand new book, World Within a Song, Colon, Music That Changed My Life and Life That Changed My Music. And this came out last week. What was that? November 8th? November 7th? Somewhere around there? Yeah, something like that. And uh, yeah, I was thinking before we get into our discussion tonight, we could kind of pick some highlights from this book. I know you've read it. I did the the audiobook version via Audible which was a, a really cool experience because Jeff Tweedy was actually the narrator. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm curious, Lance, what were some of your highlights from uh, World Within a Song? Before I share that, it, it's I find that really interesting that you got to hear it audiobook. I, I'm not an audiobook guy. I get distracted, and so I, I much prefer like a physical copy of a book. Well, right. Yeah. And I, I would say I'm, I'm with you. I, I, I typically prefer picking up a hard copy book, good old fashioned paper and, and reading that way. But when it comes to like memoirs or memoir adjacent books, like, like this one, I actually think it's more fun to, to listen to the book. If it's read by the author, I, I think of, you know, Tina Fey's uh, Bossy Pants comes to mind, which is elevated just by listening to her tell tell those stories on audiobook. And I think, you know, I haven't, maybe I'll pick this up and read it without the audiobook someday, but listening to Jeff Tweedy tell these stories is kind of like an intimacy there. It's almost like, you know, he's, he's talking to you spe- like directly, <laughs> even though yeah, you're not the only one, but you know, it's uh yeah. And, and, it kind of puts a little bit more of a personal touch on these stories. You know, you're not yep. reading in your own your own voice. You're you're hearing it through through Jeff Tweedy. Yeah. Um, so that was enjoyable. And I, I will that. say that uh you know, I, I bought this on Audible, but <laughs> just found out today that if you're a Spotify premium subscriber, the uh this audiobook is actually included. So <laughs> that could be uh an easy way to listen. To this book. Nice. Here. You supported the artist. I did. Look at I that. <laughs> this guy's a true Wilco fan. Morgan, I took notes on just about, I don't know, three or four chapters. And and you and I were ch- texting today saying, you know, we don't want to spoil this for anybody. And so what I would say is, it, you know, it's not really a spoilery book. Like it's, it's little snippets. But if you're planning on reading this, you you might want to skip this part because we're probably going to just talk about certain chapters where it'd be better if you read it first from, from Jeff Tweedy instead of us. Morgan, the first thing that I, that I like, I love his, um, this is kind of interspersed throughout the book. I love his reflections on songs and the personal meaning 
that they that they have for him, like in the chapter from My Sharona by the Knack. It wasn't like necessarily one of my favorite chapters, but he writes this on page 59. Songs are our companions. Some become friends for life, but any song in the air has the potential to keep you company for a little while. I think I've heard this concept from him before. It highlights how important song creation is for him because you can see what it means when someone else has made a song that he is able to attach himself to. And then to think about him going forward and making his own songs for other people to attach to, you can just, you can tell it's a really sacred thing for him. Yeah. I, um, man, there's so many good parts of this book. I guess I'll shout out my first highlight, which is chapter 28. And Lance, by the way, I don't know if you, did you go through, I know you shared on our Instagram account. There's a Spotify playlist that corresponds to the chapters here. I wasn't super good at doing that because I was listening kind of like on an airplane for a yeah. little bit without service. But I, I went back and listened to a few of these. And uh, chapter 28, Tweet talks about this song called Anchorage by Michelle Schacht, who I had never heard of before. Beautiful song. The song is about essentially two friends that have grown apart and end up reconnecting through the mail. He's, he said, quote, I know of no other song more efficient at getting my eyes wet than this sweet song. I can't even read the lyrics without choking up. And so this, this chapter, he, he tells a story about a completely platonic relationship he had uh, growing up with a neighbor who happened to be a girl. And looking back, the adults in his life kind of ended up making this relationship feel weird to them. And these societal wedges kind of grew them apart. And he never knew why that song hit him so hard until he got his answer at a Wilco show in 2010, when he actually ended up reconnecting with this old friend at a meet and greet. Um, so they caught up. As Tweety's getting pulled to the next you know, group of people, she pulls him in and says, you know, I, I've paid attention. I'm so proud of you, my dear, dear, courageous friend. Yeah, man, that that uh, just stood out to me a lot. I think, you know, Tweety says, I felt whole again knowing we were good, knowing we never stopped being friends. Yeah, I mean, it's no surprise that Tweety's a good storyteller, but I just found this chapter so moving. And hearing him tell it on, on the audiobook version is really powerful. I, I recommend at least going back to listen to that story. Yeah, that was probably one of my top two favorite chapters in the whole thing. And I, totally. I felt the, I felt the same way because he's, he's reflecting on being his, his words, ultra sensitive little boy. He said that was the way that she saw him. And yeah, that feeling of guilt over having lost contact with somebody. I think, I feel like if we're honest with ourselves, we all probably have somebody that fits that criteria that you sometimes wonder, like, mm -hmm. I wonder if we'd still like, would we still, have that f fondness that we had for each other when we were kids. Yeah. And the way that he just puts this so succinctly in, in four pages, it's, it's like you said, it's really moving. It's tender. Yeah. To that note, a lot of the, a lot of these chapters are, are pretty short, but he packs so much storytelling and emotion in, into each and every yes. chapter. When I first started reading this book, that was something I wouldn't say it was a complaint, but it was a slight disappointment of where I thought he was going to have more space to kind of really delve into stuff. Like if he had kept it at like 25 instead of 50, maybe. 
Yeah, maybe so. Yeah. yeah. Or double the length of the book because it's already not a yeah. super long book. Easy read. Um, well, but, you know me. I, I like short movies. I like short short books. <laughs> yeah. And short podcasts uh, when, when we're able. Boom. And this episode will probably be like an hour and a half. We'll, we'll see how it <laughs> I know, I know, we have an episode to get to here, but the other thing, the other chapter that that was probably probably my top two, along with Anchorage by Michelle Shock, was the one chapter forty five on Love Like a Wire by Diane Izzo. I was not able to hear this song, and apparently Diane Izzo, he Jeff doesn't explain how, but she died suddenly. It sounds like, or, or at least surprisingly to Jeff Tweedy, and he. I think played shows with her, knew her to some extent and experiencing her death. So suddenly brought on a lot of reflection and he felt like she died before he could celebrate her in a, in a way that felt meaningful to him. The part that really connected with me is he said this experience of her dying suddenly influenced him to not hold back in the moment. So he has this uh, as he's ending the chapter he says, in the meantime, I've been working on not holding back in the moment. Ask any band that's toured with us in the last 10 years or so. I think I freak a lot of them out when they get off stage, showering them with praise and encouragement. I mean it, too. It's such an honor to be a witness to someone else's art. Letting them know that all of the heart and soul they've put into their work is bright and visible is the least I can do. That just struck me as... Well, it struck me as countercultural to the like typical rock star persona. And I think it I think it speaks to why a lot of us are drawn to Wilco because they seem so humble and so heartfelt and and just wholesome, which I think walking away from reading that book, it it just felt like a like an encouraging, inspiring thing to encounter. Like highlighting the things that are really important in life, relationships and people and, and the way that these songs highlight memories, special times of his life. And it's funny, Morgan, as I'm saying this, I'm thinking, oh, um, we are we are really teeing up the episode's yeah. theme tonight. I, um, I know. I, I thought that as I was taking some notes on this book, too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, to your, yeah. To your point, we have an episode to get to, but I, I have... Uh, Two more things I want to say about this book. Totally. Um, two more highlights. Throughout the the chapters about the songs that impacted him, he has these little anecdotes that he refers to as rememories. And uh, one of my favorite ones was uh, the chapter called Blue Note. Uh, do you remember this one, Lance? So this was uh, Tweety's talk, talking about the Uncle Tupelo days. Uncle Tupelo didn't even have an album out at the time. And they got a call from the Blue Note asking if they would open for Warren Zevon. Uh, so that, it was it was a huge deal for 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 the band. They drive, I think it was like 3 hours to Columbia, Missouri, and they get to the Blue Note and they're told that they have to set up all their amps and and drums around the equipment that Warren Zevon's band has already set up. They've already done their their sound check and they could only use two channels on the mixing board. So Timothy B. Schmidt, who uh, was a bassist for the Eagles, he had his bass amp in a spot that that would be perfect for Jeff to put his bass amp. So he asks Timothy B. Schmidt if he can could just use his amp and you know put his settings back to normal. And in the middle of 
of his uh, of asking him to use the amp, Timothy puts his, his finger up to stop him and, and says to his bass tech, quote, do not let him touch fucking anything. All caps in the book. Okay, well, yeah, good to know. I, I, I didn't, yeah, that makes sense. So then fast forward 30 years later, Tweedies with Mavis Staples in the Obama's box at the Kennedy Center Honors, which is next to the Eagle's box. And Timothy B. Schmidt was, was feet away. Tweedy wants to bring this up, but he didn't want to get into it because, as he says, it was Mavis's night. <laughs> and, um, yeah, he's, 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 he says that they've received many uh, Zivon cover requests over the years, and they've all gone unfulfilled. But then, to your point, Lance, about Tweedy kind of reflecting, he, he says, quote, I, I cringe at all the times in my life where my perceived status and behavior toward people needing some grace and acknowledgement from me might have put someone off from my music forever. So I think I thought about the time, Lance, where you jumped out of our rental car and you <laughs> ran over to Tweety out of the blue at Solid Sound. And he didn't tell you to, to, to back off, but he proceeded to make a joke to you and took a picture with you. And so I thought, yeah, yeah, you know, his response was the exact opposite of how Timothy B. Schmidt acted. And I just thought it was cool to have a story where you could see that, yeah. you know, acting out in the real world. Yeah, because he talked about in another part of the book, Heart of Glass, I think it was. Oh, it's another where, yeah, awesome another highlight. Character. And yeah. and and a fan runs up to him, and he 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 made like a single sentence comment about like uh, I I don't really like that kind of thing. And I read that, and I thought, oh gosh, that's exactly what I did. And I, I mean, I I might be the same way if I was if I was famous of like uh, I don't you know. I don't really want to be ogled at, um, but yeah, he was so, so kind. He made my day, even though for him that might have been. <laughs> and you're still not a his favorite fan. type of. Yeah, totally, totally. <laughs> yeah. Okay, now I'm feeling like this needed to be its own episode, but I got one last thing to say about this book. Do you have anything else? Just uh, Tweedy introduced me. I feel kind of silly saying this, but he introduced me to Rosalia. The yeah. mega pop star to hear him gushing over her art and and the way that she bends genres and whatnot. I mean that's why we like Wilco, right? And so I've been listening to her, and it, and I say it's silly because she's massive, but I I guess she's not really the type of musician that that would pop up in my circles. But I'm really glad that he devoted a whole chapter to her because uh, she's great. And I, I appreciate the book for that. Yeah, there, there are several songs that I was like, what? I don't know that one. Um, I'm going to go check that out. And mm-hmm. actually, my last highlight here is an example of that. Chapter 49, I'm beginning to see the light, which uh, this version was the Duke Ellington and Joya Sherrill version. Never heard the song before, hate to say. Obviously heard of Duke Ellington, but... Uh, Tweedy says it captures, quote, a starry-eyed feeling of falling in love in spite of one's defenses, melting away of a jaded exterior, so clearly stated with simple visual metaphors. And he says he started singing this song to Spencer and Sammy at bedtime. And here, here's another, we're just throwing quotes at you guys tonight. He says, let's go. A great song works even when repurposed for familial love. And I've never found a song that better expressed the feeling of wonder. I had a discovering the deep abiding love I have for my children. He says, even when the lyrics hit the romance side a little too square on the head, 
It doesn't matter when you're singing to a couple of little humans who can light even the darkest days. Mm. <laughs> and man, man, I feel that. Um, you know, mm. this the part of this book, I got to say, kind of choked me up a little bit, to be quite mm. honest. And mm. as, a, as a dad, I feel like a lot of things choke me up easier these days. But, you know, my, my version of I'm beginning to see the light is Dennis and Whitmer's Everything But Sleep. Um, I sing this to my daughter to get her to fall asleep. And typically it works most nights. So there's a line in there that goes, if it weren't for you, I could be anywhere. I'd rather be here, don't you know? And to me, that's just a perfect, you know, beautiful lyric that says simply, nowhere is as good as being with you right here. And, you know, I want my daughter to know that every day. So I kind of had a, a a moment of, you know, I could, I could relate to Tweety in this moment. So father to father, I, you know. <laughs> with me not being a parent, I love hearing about that experience of what that's, what that's like to have a tender relationship like a parent has with their child. Yeah. And I think Tweety, he just really does not follow the, the stereotypical, um, as one of my song choices tonight will, will illustrate. He doesn't follow this textbook, you know, front man, rock and roll persona. You know, he's through his writing, you know, in these books, in his lyrics, he's uh, he's pretty vulnerable, tender guy. Yes. All right, Lance, that was a lot about World Within a Song. If you did sit through that and haven't listened to the book, you know, hopefully we didn't spoil too much for you, but there's a, there's so many great moments we didn't talk about. So, yeah. Obviously, if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably going to pick up a copy. Did not disappoint. And if you haven't yet, here's your reminder to go, there you go. grab one. Yeah. Yeah. Enter code WILCOTHEPODCAST20 at checkout for 20% off. <laughs> Audible.com. Uh, this episode geez. is sponsored by BetterHelp because every <laughs> podcast is. <laughs> All right, Lance. So let's, let's get into it here. What are we talking about tonight? Well, we are talking about the topic of gratitude or we could say thankfulness in the States. We're going to be releasing this on the Thanksgiving holiday. You know, people have different feelings about that holiday. We're not going to get into that. But, you know, I think as a topic, gratitude, that's a, that's a great worldwide thing to, to appreciate. So Wilco has no shortage of songs that tap into that theme of gratefulness. Yeah, yeah. I think, you know, as we kind of wind down to the end of the year, it's, you know, it's typically the time of year where we reflect on the past year and the ups and downs and kind of reflect on what, what we're thankful for this year. Despite some ups and downs in Wilco's personal history, I think we really kind of see them emerge as a band that genuinely seems grateful to be where they are and still making music all these years in. My boy, I love hearing you say that. To to support that sentiment, in a recent uh, Starship casual post from November 3rd of 2023, for those unfamiliar, this is Jeff Tweedy's Substack. And Lance, you just uh, gifted me a subscription. Which was so kind I of did. you. Did yeah, yeah. But I got I got to quote this. So I'm gonna throw another quote at you. Ooh, I love it. I'm not alone. <laughs> Tweety says, "Quote Wilco. After all these years together, I still marvel. Great musicians and even better people. I love the whole thing. By the way, when I say Wilco, I don't just mean the six of us on stage. I mean everyone: loft folks, management team, road crew, families, friends, fans." Such a strange thing to wrap one's head around, fans. He goes on to say, but above all, I'm grateful for the whole enchilada. 
OXO. And I think another example of Tweety expressing this overwhelming thankfulness for Wilco's existence comes from an American Drunkard interview from June 2022. American Drunkard asked Tweety how Wilco continues to maintain a relationship in its current lineup after all these years since 2004. And Tweety replied, a certain amount of it is chemistry. A lot of it is getting older and having some knowledge that it's not something to take for granted. He goes on to say, I have to be honest, I think I'm probably better at keeping a band together than I would have been if I had never gotten help for my mental health issues and my addiction. Mm -hmm. You try and treat each other well. Mostly, it's just gratitude. Yep. So I think this idea of gratefulness comes up a lot, you know, indirectly or directly when, when Tweety is giving interviews or through his own writing. I mean, we just talked about World Within a Song, and a majority of that book is really him reflecting on how these 50 songs shaped him, not just as a songwriter, but as a person, really, and how thankful he is for each of those songs in their own strange way. So anyway, Lance, all that being said, <laughs> let's finally get into it. I'd love to hear your first pick of the night. I will say I was just watching a YouTube recording. I think it's just the live recording that Wilco streamed of their show at the Metro in Chicago on October 30th. Yeah. I think just the band knew this was going to happen. Jeff kind of pauses the show and says like, we are just so thankful for the, the, the crew. And they kind of, you know, gesture their arms off, off stage and to the, the sound booth guys, like you, you could just feel like Wilco is bigger than just the six of them. And, uh, yeah, yeah, that's really cool. You don't see that every day from a band. All right. Well, without further ado, yeah, what do you got? Morgan, let's, let's get some songs going. My first song comes from Ode to Joy and it is the song Hold Me Anyway. We're going to jump in about a minute into the song and hear part that I'm going to be quoting from. Okay, this is a great song. This is a great song. It's a fun song from Ode to Joy. I think it's kind of more immediately likable. The lyric that really stood out to me was kind of the lead up to the chorus. Are we all in love just because? No, I think it's poetry and magic, something too big to have a name. And when you get it right, it's still tragic. And when you die, who's to blame? Did you think everything would be okay? And then a fantastic guitar solo from Nels Klein, which I'll come back to. The rare guitar solo. Oh, yeah, yeah, it, it actually is. Good point. This is, I think this is just Jeff Tweedy writing lyrics that are shamelessly celebrating love. This is unabashed delight over love and the relationship. And it, it, it feels like he's aware that this could come across as cliche, but it, it just has that vibe of innocent delight. I looked up the lyrics on Wilco World. I really appreciate the no that I, that I kind of highlighted. It's a no exclamation point. No, I think it's poetry and magic. Yeah. 
and it just kind of emphasizes that passion that the the singer holds. Our our friend of the pod, Tim Grierson, in his book Sunken Treasure, he says this about Tweedy's earnest songwriting: "Quote, he's just a little too earnest for some, and his declaration comes off as hopelessly naive, even dorky." End quote. <laughs> um, Tim was saying that I forget which song that was. It was about a specific lyric. I think you could make that same comment or critique here. And I would say, you know, there's there's something kind of refreshing about someone being just so unapologetically themselves. They're aware that you could make fun of me for this, you know, but I, I'm going to say it anyway. And that's how this song comes across to me. I also really like Jeff's vocals. When he sings the chorus, they're stronger here than how he typically chooses to record on studio albums. I don't know about you, Morgan, but a lot of times I feel like when I hear a studio version as opposed to a live performance, he's a little more muted. He's a little more, I don't know, his voice sounds kind of mopey. I'm thinking about like a song like Cruel Country. It's mellow. Or we could talk about Tim Dead from Cousin. He's kind of, he's he's reserved. And I, I like it when he kind of, this is him like belting it. And despite this song being so obviously joyous, there's still room for a little melancholy honesty. You know, the lyrics say, and when you get it right, it's still tragic. And Morgan, I think this is one of the reasons I really appreciate Wilco so much that when they do talk about joy, they are not so committed to communicating that joy that they're embarrassed to admit the complexity of also experiencing tragedy with joy. And I think for some of us, this is vulnerable to admit, but I think if we're honest with ourselves, all this can admit that there can be a bitter sweetness to even our deepest and best relationships. I mean, this song doesn't really go into why, why he's saying when you get it right, it's still tragic, but just some, some reflections I had were maybe it's, maybe it's kind of bittersweet because of all the mistakes you regret or the, the tendencies that you have that are that are still hard to manage in a relationship. And you know you're loved, but you still feel strongly o- over the negative tendencies you struggle with. You and I have talked personally in our friendship about something like ADHD and, and my tendency to kind of bounce around and focus. Um, and when you get it right, it's still tragic, you know? Or maybe he's, maybe he's hinting at when you get it right, you are still left longing like even even as good and fulfilling as a relationship can be the longing doesn't always make sense to you because there is still it feels like there's something still kind of i don't know missing it, this is this is funny i get this <laughs> i get this feeling sometimes when i watch disney movies like aladdin i i like <laughs> oh man it's it's so fulfilling to see aladdin and jasmine come together but um there is a, a melancholy that, that for me ends the movie. I don't know. This is loose enough to where it's open to interpretation. That's kind of where my mind went. Um, I've, got, I've got a couple other things to say, but I kind of want to just check in with you and see what are your thoughts on this song? A lot of my thoughts on this song, I think I, I chose this, man, uh, it's kind of a blur at this point. I think maybe I chose this for our love episode way back Ooh, at the beginning. I forgot that. Yeah. Well, it's been almost a year ago now. I I think I had the same initial reaction as you, Lance, that it's kind of refreshing to hear him just kind of unabashedly 
praise this this mystery of love, <laughs> as cheesy as that sounds. And uh, yeah, to your point, it's kind of like this jubilant vibe, but then there's also this realistic kind of bring you back down to earth. Like you, you know, love isn't isn't always perfect. You're still gonna hurt the ones you love. It's it's still tragic sometimes, and it hurts even more when you hurt someone you love that deeply. Yeah. This and it reminds me of another Wilco lyric from You and I. The lyric is You and I, we might be strangers, however close we get sometimes. It's like we never met. This is another reflection on that limitation that you can feel in your most intimate relationships. We are very close, and there are aspects that feel like a distance that can never quite be crossed. Kind of going back to what I said earlier, like I, I appreciate that Wilco. They're writing a joyous love song, but it's not without admitting to, I don't know, disappointment almost. Why would I want to sing a song that says, when you get it right, it's still tragic? Well, because that's realistic. The other thing I'd say is I got to shout out the rest of the band, Nels Klein's triumphant guitar solo. memories of the very first time I heard this album. I downloaded it and I put it on my iPod. And side note, my iPod for some reason got that order mixed up and so I heard I heard the second track before the first track, which you know like oh man, like you were just talking up iPods on the last episode. I know and it screwed me over because that really sets the vibe for how like you perceive an album. So track 2, you know, starts off really warm and I was like, "Oh, okay." Track one, I'd say, starts off kind of cold. So that was that was a weird experience to be like, I've got to reconceptualize this thing. Order matters. It does. But I put this thing on my iPod and I go for a walk and it's a beautiful, sunny October day in 2019. It's like a couple hours before I have to go to work and I'm walking around the neighborhood. And I remember getting to this song. Like you said earlier, there's not a ton of Nels Klein solos. Ode to Joy has a few, I would say, but... This one comes on and I remember just smiling so big of like, yes, it just, it just was so pleasing. Jeff Tweedy and Nels Klein did an interview with a website called Guitar Player. And Jeff says this about the guitar solo. Originally, I wanted all that to be a horn section. I really wanted there to be a big outburst of joy and celebration. I think I had that guitar tone dialed up for something else, but when you put a part like that down, it's almost impossible not to try harmony because that's where your mind goes. It's another one like the love is everywhere part where there's a lot of pull-offs and things that feel pretty natural to me. So I'm really glad that they ended up making this not simply a horn section, but also guitar section. Nels did say that there's a saxophone played by Paul Von Mertens. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Paul Von Mertens, big fan. Yeah. He said live, uh, Pat Sansone will play the horn section on his Mellotron. I thought that was pretty cool. And the other thing I, I got to say is um, 
Glenn Kochi. I, I watched the video of the band playing this live at a at a like a gymnasium in Chicago. And I don't know what you call his little tap or like roll at the beginning, but it's it's so cool. It's inventive. It's yeah, it just brings like a nice little flourish. Morgan, you and I got t-shirts made via Oxford Pennant at yep. Solid Sounds 2022. And I forget if you you put this on your t-shirt, but for our not. listeners, no, got it. Not. Yeah. They had they had different like things you could you could choose. You could get the Star Wars cat, you could get the Wilco the album camel or a vinyl record. Um one of the one of the options though was the phrase poetry and magic. And I I got have that on my shirt. Yeah, this this song just uh, encapsulates joy and gratitude. So that's that's song one. Morgan, kick us off with 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 your song choice. So for me, my first song choice reflects a moment where the gratitude overflowed for Wilco, specifically Tweety, during a performance. So song choice number one for me is Reservations, specifically live from the Yankee Hotel Foxtrot Anniversary Show Tour. And Lance, I know you have this on a CD via Uncut Magazine. Right. But you cannot find these recordings professionally done on Spotify or iTunes or anywhere. I found a clip on YouTube, courtesy of user simply called MB, and he recorded the the entire Chicago show from the last night of this short tour, which was on April 24th, 2022. And I, I realize I've talked about my love of this song in previous episodes, but I'll explain why this fits in to this theme right after we hear a clip. me that the record store day release cross-eyed strangers is actually the vinyl pressing of that uncut magazine cd so if you were lucky enough to get that on record store day you probably have a a higher quality version we were Uh, not lucky we were not lucky we looked everywhere anyway in the american drunkard interview i mentioned earlier tweety uh, reflects on performing the yankee hotel foxtrot anniversary shows And he talks about specifically this feeling, this moment when they finished 
reservations on the first night of the tour. He was just in tears. And he said, quote, The audience really just calmed itself down and stayed with it for this long, drawn-out fade-out. It ended and people were standing there listening. And that was the whole point of the record ending that way. It's gone and you're left with your interior thoughts. That response made me really proud, but also it made me sad. Every night. I cried every night. It was so powerful to be part of it and be in a room full of people willing to be quiet for this piece of music. First of all, I love that Tweety is a guy who can cry on stage. Seriously. <laughs> I think it's rare uh, for anyone, especially a rock musician, kind of breaking down this idea of what a masculine front man should be, right? He's yeah, yeah. exposing his vulnerability. I think it makes the music and, and the guys behind it more genuine. That's just my take. Yes. And secondly, I think that in this quote, you see a very complex form of thankfulness. And Lance, you kind of alluded to this in in your first choice. Uh, Thankfulness isn't just always straightforward joy. I think thankfulness can come with grief or sadness as Tweety experiences here. You know, the the first example, pretty like basic example that comes to mind is, you know, I can sit here and reflect and be thankful about all the memories and moments I've shared with my grandparents who have passed away. You could say that about anyone in your life that you've loved who's passed away. And those memories, you know, bring you so much joy, but, and, and you're grateful for, for all those moments. But those memories also come with grief that you won't get any more of those moments with those people. In the same way, I'm constantly thankful for each moment I have with my daughter. And in the same moment, I'm bummed that these moments are fleeting and she's just always getting older. So, but so, so thankful for every phase. So when I read this quote, I, I, I see Tweety up there on stage and kind of experiencing this complex you know, a mixture of emotion, sadness, pride, but I think it's kind of all wrapped up in gratefulness. Gratefulness for the fans, being in this moment together and letting the power of this the music resonate together. And then also, you know, the gratitude kind of pouring itself into sadness a little bit. Over, overwhelming thankfulness to be here on stage with such a dedicated audience, respecting every minute of what this album means to them, and then reflecting about how far Wilco has come, you know, through... Tweety's addiction particularly, uh, to be here in this moment. And then, you know, speaking of his addiction, you know, Tweety's probably up there also thinking about Jay Bennett in some form and, and you know, wishing he could probably be around for this. But uh, at the same time, thankful that they had that relationship for years and got to work together on this important album. And they actually go on to, in this set, to dedicate um, some songs to Jay Bennett, um, starting with Pie Holden Sweet. Which I reference on another episode. Yeah. So there's a reverence here for Jay's contributions, you know, despite how that relationship, you know, infamously ended, you know, with Jay being fired from the band. So reservations. Yeah, I I really think this is a special moment where the gratitude of the band and Tweety in particular are really on display. (laughs) 
So, you know, Lance, if Wilco happens to do a 30th anniversary Yankee tour, we need to get tickets because I'm I'm bummed we missed this one. My favorite album ever, I know. All right, Lance, what is your second pick of the night? My second pick of the night is, it originally comes from being there. I got you at the end of the century, but Morgan... I'm going to play the acoustic version from the Judd Apatow film. This is 40. So let's let's take a listen. So this song feels, I would say, very in line with my first choice. Um, there's a lot of delight. There's joy that you can feel in this song. So I have friends in, in Denver that will listen to our podcast. And I think they listen to it because of their connection with me. Sure, they don't just like me a lot. It could, it could yeah, be, yeah, it's, it's that. Yeah, 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 yeah. I can tell they still don't get Wilco. I will say <laughs> with this song, like, if you don't like this, like, I, I can't really help you. Like it's it's just it's kind of immediately likable. The repetition of "I got you," it, I think it really captures the theme of gratitude to me. And it's it's like the the singer is so happy that he's got you that he just keeps repeating himself. It's, it's like almost a too good to be true feeling. I chose this one partially for that reason, but mainly for personal reasons and, and you might you might know where I'm going with this this song holds a really special place in my heart it brings up gratitude for me uh, my wife and I chose this song as our recessional song at our wedding uh, your your wife chose this with you or oh okay interesting well yeah yeah she was like we should do Wilco and I'm like oh really you should sing the podcast <laughs> no I I forget how that conversation went but we, I, I really wanted Wilco a part of the music somehow. And so it was the first compromise of your marriage. Yeah. Yep. She has since become a bigger Wilco fan. We can say <laughs> she didn't, she didn't prefer the quote unquote, the rock version, the being there version, which I'm going to admit I like better. I won't tell her you said that. It's okay. <laughs> so I forget how I found it, but this, this I downloaded the soundtrack to this is 40 Judd Apatow directed that movie. He's a big Wilco fan. Oh, what was uh, funny people? Seth Rogen asking Aubrey Plaza if she'll go to a Wilco concert with him. It, it, it's cool to see Judd Apatow kind of giving them a shout out. I, I love Morgan. I love the famous people that are Wilco fans because like me, they will, they will repeatedly shout out Wilco. Like I think about like Ethan Hawke in Boyhood. Judd Apatow seems like one of those people. He's apparently seen the band in concert many times. Here's a quote from The Hollywood Reporter that he said, uh, It's always a mind-blowing experience. The band is both really tight and completely free at the same time. I find the integrity of their work to be very inspirational. End quote. 
Uh, and I, I, I just have to say, how many times have you and I heard a quote like this about seeing Wilco live? You know, it's always like, yeah. the, oh my goodness, they're so tight, but also like they're so, they're so loose. And, <laughs> like so, it's so classic. Going back to our trusty friend Daniel Cook Johnson and his Wokopedia book, he said that this song could be taken as a call out for love amid fears about the impending Y2K because this song did come out before then. I'm not entirely sure what's up with that lyric. It's the end of the century and I can't think of anything except you. But I will say I kind of like that, that it that it references the the turning of the 20th into the 21st century because I think songs are more memorable they stand out to you more when they're more quirky this love song having a reference to the end of the century makes it stand out from the traditional love song yeah I think a lot of what I said about hold me anyway I could say here that it just feels kind of like deliriously happy just grateful to be in a relationship with this person I love the special meaning that it now has for me because it was a song at my wedding. I have some great memories from that day. Yeah, you were on the stage. I sure was. Uh huh. I was incredibly nervous. I don't know why, but I remember my groomsmen were marched out and I was left alone in a room uh, <laughs> just shaking. <laughs> I can relate, man. I, I don't know what it is. I think it's just like all those eyes on you and it's just a huge life moment. Yeah. Yeah. Morgan, take us take us home. It's funny, a lot of these gratitude-based songs kind of bring it back to love. So naturally, I'm going to pick a song from The Whole Love, and in fact, I'm going to pick the song Whole Love. So let's give that a listen. almost chose this morgan you did i almost chose this one yeah it, it felt like that or dawned on me okay you're onto something there that like the love songs it's like these could have been songs we chose for the love episode yeah like a, a redo on love since no one listened to that episode <laughs> <laughs> no one listened to the hate episode that's true that's true <laughs> who picked that one mm. uh me it's okay uh all right so in let's go so we can get back Tweedy writes about uh, the bigness, for lack of a better word, of his love for his wife, Susie. He writes, quote, The way I feel about Susie, the way she's loved me and changed me, it can't be in my songs. It's too big for songs. Maybe occasionally I can get a part of it to fit. And then he goes on, If you've ever been in a relationship that you took for granted, even when it was the one thing holding you together then you know how difficult it is to convey that amount of gratitude, much less set it to music. Okay, so I would completely agree with Tweety here that capturing the real you know, essence of deep-seated love through writing your poetry and then pairing it with music, it's, it's a pretty difficult task to do without, you know, sounding cheesy or 
giving it the weight that it deserves. But I do think he's selling himself a little short here. I think he's he's actually done this successfully with Whole Love. Outside of One Sunday Morning, this is my favorite song on, on that album. Just wow. Fun fact. When I read these lyrics, I picture Jeff singing this to Susie. That's my take. Maybe that's confirmed or denied someplace. I couldn't find confirmation of either in my research. So, as usual, Lance or and or listeners, feel free to correct me here. But I see this as a continued declaration of Tweedy admitting that he'll never be completely perfect or even feel worthy of the love that Susie gives him. But he's determined to give Susie back that same love any way he can. You know, and I think especially of his addiction years and what Susie's support meant to him, you know, that, that's that got to still be something that he reflects on uh, to this day still. He sings, I recall you on the telephone. I recall when you get mad. I will still love you to death and I won't ever forget how. picture Jeff on the phone with Susie and she's upset or disappointed with the decision Jeff has made, you know, perhaps during his addiction phase, perhaps for something less severe or simple as just an everyday, you know, marital disagreement. But either way, Tweety's saying, I don't care when we fight or get mad or the trials we faced or may face in the future. I'm still going to love you to death and I won't ever forget how. And then later he sings, he's on the other side. And again, I I can't help but think about, you know, addiction. He's on the other side of that. Uh, I believe he became sober in 2004. This song was released in 2011, so seven years post-rehab. And like I said, I don't think he'll ever stop reflecting on that period and feeling gratitude that he's on the other side of it. Um, he, he sings that he's satisfied, you know, with where he's come. And he's always going to be looking for your love, looking for that love Susie gives him that sustains him. Uh, I will also say I love how this song begins lyrically. Mm-hmm. Me too. My, my gold marigolds attack, my black bed of roses. I'm going to bring them all back with hypnosis. Ho! He kind of has this little like anthemic uh, hurrah there. When the music picks up, and Jeff Tweedy starts singing, there's an energy here that feels kind of like determination. Jeff uses dead flowers as the imagery here and sort of states that he's done, you know, damaging precious things, uh, perhaps relationships that, that need more care or mending. He's going to bring them all back, even if he has to use hypnosis. Mm. So to put this simply, Lance, to me, the song Whole Love, it's an entire letter of gratitude to Susie for sustaining Jeff all these years, for giving him that support and love he needed to get through darker times and for continuing that love and support today. Yeah. Uh, This is a great song. You're interpreting it to, to be about his marriage and I couldn't help but think about a line from the chapter of World Within a Song that you referenced earlier. I'm beginning to see the light, Duke Ellington. 
Yeah. He says a great song works even when repurposed for familial love. Sure. Yeah. 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 And I, I, that, I think that has stuck with me to think about Jeff's love songs feel loose enough or vague enough to where they, they do seem like they don't have to simply be romantic and and maybe whole love would would also fit into that that it, it doesn't have to be about a husband and wife or a partner or a parent child or a friend and friend i don't know yeah i'm gonna kind of butcher this but i, I think at the end of world within song and kind of his uh his wrap up there he's talking talks about how he hopes that his his music can reach just people in general and and kind of attach our own meaning to it our own memories maybe yeah so yeah i I think there's you know as we do on this podcast we kind of interpret these songs that are in our own way and i think there's there's very rarely um um, something that we can find in our research that says no you're you're dead wrong (laughs) or no you're absolutely right uh that's pretty rare and maybe that's intentional yeah that i've been thinking about our conversation about cousin and meant to be and the way that I that I introduced like, oh, that's about teenage heartbreak. And and you and Tim Grierson saying, oh, I interpreted it to be kind of hopeful. And I, yeah. I, I, I feel like in the spirit of Jeff Tweedy, it would be cool. Like that's the meaning that you got from it. Yeah. And, and I feel like the way that I talked about that would be kind of antithetical to uh, how he would like a song to be talked about that he wrote. Well, to be fair, he d- he did say he meant it to be that way. He did. Right? Yeah. He did. Yeah. So he said, you're wrong and I'm right. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Typical. Right. Typical. <laughs> <laughs> Stick to the quotes, kid. Yeah. Just read the book on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Lance, you know what? In the spirit of thankfulness and gratitude, I am grateful that you're my podcast host, co-host, and uh, and dear dear friend, my my courageous uh, dear dear friend. <laughs> oh, I'm grateful. We're best friends, and we, you and I have talked behind the scenes about how this has been such a fun and cool dynamic to add to our friendship to be able to be like podcast hosts together. So, right back at you. Bring it in, Lance. We're thankful for for you too, listeners. Thank you for. For listening to Wilco the podcast, we are uh, gonna have a few more apps coming out before the end of the year, so stay tuned. And uh, yeah, it's been it's been a good season too so far, Lance. I'm having a good time. Me too. Hope, hope that the listeners are having a good time. You know, if you're in the states, happy Thanksgiving. We hope you have something to be thankful for this year. We are are grateful for all of you. Have a great life and i'm done talking now (laughs) please end it like that (laughs) we'll see y'all next time for another episode of welcome the podcast good night everybody